Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Move Nourished podcast, where we discuss nutritious eating, functional movement, and herbal medicine to help you move, eat, and live better. I'm Alyssa. And I'm Forrest. We're clinical herbalists, movement coaches, and wellness nerds. Let's get started. So today, dear listeners, we are going to be making the case for why your movement practice at the top of your priority list should be facilitating greater awareness of your physical sensations, your needs, your feelings. And we will be making the case for why that is equally important to your other movement and performance goals or aesthetic goals, why it is crucial for both athletic success and general health. And we are, of course, going to leave you with many practical takeaways for how to incorporate that into your practice for so what let's start with like what we mean by embodiment as it relates to movement like what is what are we talking about so embodiment is this concept of inhabiting our body so we think Mm -hmm. mindfulness is become a pretty widely used term of kind of inhabiting our minds in the present moment embodiment is that for the body it's how do we inhabit and feel what's going in our own body how do we develop awareness of our physical sensations of our feelings, which are something that typically arise in what feels to be the body, our mm-hmm. needs. The, in the modern world, we're oftentimes unfortunately disconnected from and even distrustful of the sensations that arise in our bodies. We yeah. think of them as being less relevant or less factual than our thoughts and we don't even think very highly of our thoughts when compared to outside sources and it creates this culture of distrustful neglect of body sensations and that's just on a society level if we look at the effects the unfortunately widespread effects of trauma and of systematic oppression that colonialism colonialism that affects so many people that create even more disconnect from our bodies. It's all happening on a societal level. And then we already talked about the modern world and how much less movement and less movement-centric activities we're doing in the modern world. And movement is one of the main dialoguing tools we have with our bodies. And so really from multiple angles, we're becoming less and less connected to these bodies that we live in. And it's A slow process, right? I would also just like to point out to you, dear listener, that this process of embodiment, especially in the context of trauma, especially in the context of like bodies that have been systematically oppressed and abused and have violence enacted against them, that this is a slow process because it's all wrapped up with safety, right? And it's it's a slow process of teaching ourselves and our bodies that our bodies are not something to be ignored or mastered or controlled. And that that's ingrained very deeply, right? on on a somatic level and that that can be very transformative, but it can also be very triggering. And so it's something I would advocate for folks going at a pace that feels safe and good to them when they're doing this work. Yes, definitely. And I think that really embodiment is something that there's a lot of avenues for working with it in our culture. There's social avenues. There's the work that's going on in somatic psychology. Mm -hmm. We believe that movement exploration is one of the most powerful tools to create a baseline container Mm -hmm. for that embodiment, but Mm -hmm. it definitely isn't the end of the conversation. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's, thankfully, it's great that we are culturally, we are getting greater language around like attuning to physical sensations and nervous system regulation and these sort of 
obscure or like once obscure topics of psychology and mental health and somatics are coming into a more common parlance, right? People are becoming more familiar mm-hmm. with those terms. I think that is also, you have to use caution with that, that they don't, the, or not necessarily caution, but I feel then the need to clarify what we mean when we say that and where, what our role is in that and what our scope is when it comes to that. And that's why we believe that this exploratory attitude, taking that like playful exploratory stance that centers safety, that centers consent. I feel like it's important to be explicit about saying that that is the starting point of our movement programs, specifically as they relate to having embodiment as a central tenant. Right. Yeah. I, I think that because of the immense need for somatic therapies, for trauma and for, for all everything else that's going on in this world, a lot of the pioneers working on that are focusing a lot on how do we nuance this for in a therapeutic and a, in a society changing perspective. Mm. But at Move Nourish, our big focus in embodiment is creating that kind of base nutrition container that the little bits, the embodiments of your daily movement practice of your daily movements is a way to build a foundation. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about this idea that you and I have talked about behind the scenes that's sort of percolating your brain about the different, and we're going to explore this more in a future episode, but like the different purposes or orientations of movement, right? Like we have movements that we do to get better at certain things and then, but there's also several other purposes. So how would you chunk that down into what are those sort of buckets that you're mentally putting those in? Yes. So I think there's three kind of main orientations we can have in our conscious relationship to our movements. The first one is a goal-orientated relationship. This is what mm-hmm. FM Alexander would call end gaining. It's where mm. you walk into the room and the your purse or your bag that you want to pick up and your movement is get the purse, get the bag. <laughs> achieve the get, end goal. Mm-hmm. Achieve the end goal. And that's in a lot of movements are meant to be like that. You can obviously think in fitness of where like your relationship with the movement of running up the hill is get to the top of that hill. <laughs> as fast as possible. Faster than last week. This is oftentimes our first layer of interaction with movement is just what the movement is going to get us to. And this is oftentimes the least embodied of the The next orientation we can have is the proprioceptive orientated relationship with movement. And what's this proprioception is, for folks who pro- may not be familiar with that term? Yeah. Proprioception is the sense of where we are in space. Mm-hmm. So if you pick your hand up and you put your hand behind your the back of your head without touching, you can still feel that your hand is behind the back of your head, even though it's not touching the back of your head. You can't see it, can't mm-hmm. hear it. You can't probably smell can't it. smell it. Hopefully. You still just know where in general that hand is, and then you move it back. Now you move it down towards your neck a little bit and you can still feel, okay, now it's behind my neck. And then he raise it back up and it's behind your head. That sense of where your hand is, is proprioception. And that applies to all movements. We can sense where we are in space, how my body is moving, how my elbow is extending this kind of relationship with movement as a, where my parts are kind of sense. Mm-hmm. And so The first layer of embodiment when we move into being more embodied in our movement is that proprioceptive sense, is that sense of, okay, instead of when I squat, me just thinking about getting back up, it's 
the sense of how am I moving on the descent of the squat and how what is the quality of the movement? What is the quality of that mm-hmm. movement? What how how is my core braced as I come back up and I get to my sticky spot? Am I you driving know, that, through my big toe? Where is yes. my foot in space? Is my knee Where is my foot in flapping space? in? On yeah. my, is my knee flapping in mm-hmm. to create some some outward drive? That is proprioceptive orientation. Mm-hmm. And that is the, the next step down the road of embodiment. The third orientation, which is what we think of more in the sense of somatics, is an interoceptive uh, orientation. So interoception is the internal feelings we get so we can think when you need to go to the bathroom interoception is what tells you that yeah when you're hungry hungry, that's interoception Mm -hmm. Uh, interoception also encompasses the feelings we get that are associated with emotions oftentimes we don't even though we think of in our modern world of emotions being in the brain we don't really feel anger in our brain usually we feel it somewhere in our body yes and that's an interoceptive sensation as well movements themselves also have interoceptive focuses those interoceptive focuses can be very simple of okay this exercise feels good or this one feels bad. You know, it can be more related to pain. This doesn't feel good on my elbow when I do, do a, a yeah. push up in this way. Yeah. It can also be something interoception can get a little bit more touchy feely. It can be mm-hmm. like, okay, this doesn't hurt, but when I do this movement, I have this weird feeling. Mm-hmm. Or when I do this movement, it brings me an interesting sense of contentment and joy. There's lots of relationships we can get internally from movement. You think about dancing. When we dance, we're not very, typically, we're not end gaining. We're not goal oriented. I'm, my goal of the dance is to be done with the dance sometimes. But, yeah. And also we're not often taught, like oftentimes when we really get grooving in the dance, we're not thinking about proprioceptively of, okay, my arm is above my head in this position and now it's here and things like that. Usually more we're feeling the rhythm of the music. We're feeling emotions that that in, that music brings into ourselves. That's yeah. an interoceptive relationship with music. And the other example you might feel is some of what's brought out in yoga classes, in Tai Chi classes, Qigong classes, where you're using movement to create this meditative internal focus on the sensations of your body. That mm-hmm. is oftentimes moving down that into that more kind of point of view zone so let's talk about how because this process can be kind of elusive right this is a kind of an elusive ethereal aspect of movement and talking about movement i think that you would find many people that would acknowledge that it's important that it helps i think that those of us with a, a trauma background would absolutely many of us would acknowledge that there's a significant aspect of our healing that has come from this sort of somatic mm-hmm. the body keeps the score the release it's stored in the body kind of thing i know that's the case for me but it is this it is intangible it's kind of elusive it is, it so is hard. i think you know, a lot of times i think because of that we end up where we create these weird dichotomies of okay that kind of thing happens in yoga it when i'm weightlifting it doesn't weightlifting yeah yeah. and there's there's definitely movement practices that are easier to bring out the somatics or the embodiments but really we can embody ourselves to different levels in all of our movement practices absolutely 
And then I think one of the first things that comes to mind is also just slow your movements down sometimes. Slowing movements down. Slow them I down think- and give your brain time to communicate with the nervous nervous system, time to communicate with the body, and then run the the like male people back and forth a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that slowing down can be a very good first step to playing with those different orientations. Yeah. And, and then similarly right like pairing your breath like you were saying in a yoga class that's a lot of times people's first or primary experience with pairing their breath with their movement that's the core exactly of yoga yeah slowing down gets us in that proprioceptive point of view but then you pair it with breath and you really that starts to bring out some of that interoceptive inner focus you just yes do a set with a different kind of breath pattern than you normally do and mm-hmm. see how different it feels even though you're not doing anything different Besides wise, besides the movement, you're besides the breath. Absolutely. Finding flow is another big part in all of our movements. We can find this sense of flow where the movement becomes something that just comes out of us in a way we don't have to think of it much. Yeah. Which is interesting because on the other hand, you can embody yourself by putting more intensive focus on the way you're moving. You can also (laughs) embody yourself by... By moving in a way that it becomes just a part of you. It becomes yeah. that extension of yourself. Yeah, like identity-oriented identity movement, perhaps. Yeah, and then lastly, another example that is independent of what we would even consider movement is this sort of sensory piece yes. of exploring and experimenting with different physical sensations or sensory practices. So uh, to give a couple of examples, dry brushing, bathing, you know, like warm showers, cool showers, hydrotherapy with different temperatures of water, massage, foam rolling, rolling around on different in the grass and on different surfaces, like anything. And I think something that you reminded me about recently that I think is important and not just outright pleasurable sensations either. Like we're not, we're not talking about like self-flagellation here. We're not talking like, I'm not trying to get masochistic on you, but I, I, I am saying that it's not just about, I think like neutral to weird should also be included in this like different physical sensations. Like, oh, weird things should also be um, on the docket here. And I think having, yes, and having the compassionate curiosity. Yeah. Curiosity. If movement invokes a weird feeling, be compassionate about yourself and that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing inherently bad about having a weird sensation that you might not even be at a place that you're ready to dialogue with that weird mm-hmm. but also be curious about yes. Whoa, what is what that is- interesting why do mm-hmm. i feel like i have a like why does it feel like i'm being abandoned when i move my ankle like this like that's <laughs> yeah yeah that kind of stuff Absolutely. is like part of the weird mystery of our bodies mm-hmm. that you kind of have to like floss to really the goal of this session is getting my knee better not feeling these emotions about my childhood so i'm going (laughs) to leave this be for now but i'm also gonna be like "Ooh, can i that's interesting that's interesting yeah and the last thing with with the sensations is putting the nature back in natural movement as Mm. much as we can so like nature provides all these other sense and i think when we talk about adding other sensations into movement we're talking about is creating the sensory environment movement and proprioception aren't meant to happen in vacuum yeah they also don't oftentimes like being in a situation of sensory overwhelm which sometimes in gyms depending on the sometimes type of music a lot of times play, <laughs> a lot of times for me all the time yeah but, uh, depending <laughs> on your nervous system all the time depending on your nervous system 
yeah, the types of music, the types of other people, the types of the lights, lights and the TVs and the noises well, of the machine. Yeah. We get this like sensory overwhelm that you then have to numb yourself. Yep. So that is a very different sensory pattern than going out in the park and doing a movement where you're smelling, you're inhaling the terpenes and things from the trees, you're mm. experiencing natural light, you're hearing the sound of the wind and ducks quacking or whatever that's happening at your the park. The wind blowing through the pine trees. <clears throat> those kind of things create a different sensory environment that your proprioception and interoception can sit in. And so it's playing with your environmental yeah, factors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So in summary, dear listener, the body is not something to be controlled, mastered, ignored, right? We have an opportunity to use movement as a conduit for developing greater awareness of our physical sensations. And by doing so, we enhance not only our experience of the world, we oftentimes enhance our potential for healing, and we oftentimes also enhance our performance and our general health. So yes. at Move Nourish, we center that as movement as one of the most powerful tools that we have at our disposal for cultivating that embodiment in movement, no matter what your goal is, no matter what the movement is, and as a way to help you attune to and regulate the nervous system and your physical sensation. And it should be a central focus of your movement protocol or program, whatever your fitness or performance or aesthetic goals are. Because in the end of the day, what does it matter what your body can do or what your body looks like if you don't? feel like if you don't you like being in it. in it yeah and embodiment and this process of using movement to that end can really help with that process thank you for listening this has been the move nourish podcast i'm Alyssa, and i'm forrest and we will catch you next time 